Hello, all you beautiful people. This is Optimistically Depressed, and I am your host, Ruth McMullen. As always, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. I love that you're listening right now. It's seriously, it's making my day. I want to talk to you about something that I learned that is absolutely fascinating, and that is um, just a little bit about dreams. Now, now this podcast uh, is actually about hypnotherapy. I interview Verity Vale, and she actually has uh, practiced, and she's she is a hypnotherapist. And so, with through her, I actually learned quite a bit about dreams, and then and and sleep, and the like the importance of the different stages of sleep, and then it got me thinking more about it, and so then I started to kind of listened to a couple podcasts and I actually watched an episode of what's it called the mind explored or something like that. Um, and they had an episode called like that was on dreams and it was, it was fascinating because I'm starting to learn some more things about the importance of dreaming and the importance of deep sleep and how a lot of our problem solving can actually occur while we're dreaming, which I just didn't really realize that before. So when people give you the advice to sleep on something, that's actually really good advice because it allows your brain to process the information and actually look at it from different points of view that you might not look at it while you're awake. The reason for that being that when you're sleeping, the logical part of your brain is actually dampened. And the more, I think, creative part of your brain, if I'm remembering this correctly, is heightened so that it's going to look at perspectives that you wouldn't look at while you're awake because that logical part is going to say, no, that doesn't make any sense. So let's move on. I find that um, encouraging because, you know, next time I have a big problem, maybe I could just go take a nap. And then I can have it all figured out and move on. But uh, it has, yeah, so I've been thinking a little bit more about the importance of dreaming, the importance of sleep, how it really does help us, um, like why, the ways that it actually helps us out. Because uh, of course, we all know sleep is important. That's what doctors have been telling us for how long now? Like, yes, we know that's important to sleep. I think that it's more helpful when I understand the reasons why it's important to sleep. And so, you know, for aside from the obvious reason, you know, you don't feel as tired when you get proper sleep, you can actually solve problems with more ease when you have sleep. And it's because I'm sure among many other reasons, one of those reasons is that it actually allows your brain the time to sort through these issues and look for solutions that you wouldn't necessarily look for when you're awake. So I got to have this interview with Verity and I actually got to have a session with her in her office. So she did some hypnotherapy on me and it was amazing, like amazing. I did not expect it to be to have as much of an effect on me in the different areas that it had an effect on. And what I mean when I say that is I, I like I've tried out different kinds of therapies and I've found all of them to be helpful in their own way. One difference with this was that because I was in a, I believe one of the words that you can call it is a trance. I was, um, it was like I was resting So after the session, I was feeling 
a lot more energized, which usually in my experience with other kinds of therapies, you leave feeling rather exhausted because you just spent, you know, an hour going through some pretty serious emotional stuff. But her hypnotherapy is solution-based. And so it's actually looking for ways for you to properly tackle these, uh, some problems that you might be having at the time. And so I was wanting to look at ways to be more motivated and uh, kind of accomplish more because I find that one thing that I do really struggle with is um, not using my time very wisely and allowing my emotions to dictate more of what I do with my day than, than I should. So that's what, that was the main thing that we addressed during that, that session. And I found that after, at the end of it, I left feeling much lighter and I felt like my brain was kind of uncluttered. So I was able to focus more on where I was hoping to go and finding solutions to some of the issues I was having that was kind of stopping me from getting to where I was wanting to go. And, um, I'm really excited to go back because it was, uh, I'm just thinking if I was able to see that much success in just the first session, then I can't wait to see how much further I can go with more sessions. Uh, of course, one of the major factors going into these, uh, going into an appointment like that is you need to be prepared and like willing to, to, um, go into a trance because of course, Ultimately, you are in control. And Verity does explain a lot of that in this podcast. Um, but uh, if you're more willing, like more open to what's going to happen, then of course, it, you're going to be more successful. And, and that plays into like everything. So it's no different with hypnotherapy. But I would highly recommend it to anyone who's looking for different kinds of therapy. Or if you've been thinking about hypnotherapy, you got to go for it. And I would highly recommend Verity because she's well-informed, like she's done her research and she's really disarming. So she's so, she's so friendly. And so it's really easy to talk with her. It's easy to feel comfortable around her. And she's great at explaining things in a way that a person who's not familiar with these new concepts um, can understand. And that was definitely something uh, that was definitely true for me. I wasn't very familiar with a lot of how hypnotherapy works. And so um, she she does explain some of it in this podcast. And she will, of course, explain more if you go in and see her, which I really do recommend you do because she's just she's lovely on many levels. And it would be an over overall wonderful experience. I promise if you go in and see her. And, uh, so I, I just, I learned so much. I'm feeling very enthusiastic about all of this. I've been looking more into the importance of dreaming and, uh, how REM sleep is, well, okay, here's another thing that just kind of blew my mind. Um, REM sleep is actually not the part of your sleep that you, that you were resting. It's actually the part, that's the part of your sleep where your brain is really active because that's when it's doing basically the problem solving. So it's actually the stage right before REM sleep that you're getting your rest. So if you were to spend most of your night in REM sleep, you'd wake up exhausted, which I just, I just didn't know that. And that blew my mind as well. And, um, so actually that's why when you're really stressed, if you go to bed and you wake up a lot throughout the night, that's because your brain is actually spending too much time in REM sleep. So 
your, your body's like waking you up so that you can go back into that deep sleep right before REM sleep again. And, uh, so you can actually have more rest. It's just fascinating. Um, so I'm going to now let you have some, uh, some of this experience of the conversation with Verity yourself. I can't wait for you to hear it. I hope that all of you love it. I'm sure that you will. And, uh, and if you have, again, if you have any questions or anything, please, please get in touch. Cause, um, I think that it's really healthy for us to be able to explore new avenues and be able to ask questions about it. And now I'm not going to go on anymore. I want all of you to sit back, relax, and enjoy. Thanks for coming in again. You're very welcome. It's good to see you again. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we've become more friends now. I think so. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. It's good. Whereas before it was like, hello, hello. And yeah. now it's like, oh, hey. Having a really good matter. So it's nice. Yeah, Actually having a nice conversation that's a bit more familiar. Yes. I realized when I first started saying actually having a nice conversation sounded like before it wasn't yeah. but you the know last one blue <laughs> it didn't by the way <laughs> yeah so Verity came in again because we we've done a podcast and the, the thing was it was so informative I really enjoyed it and then of course we had a malfunction and it didn't all save part of it saved not the whole thing and so we're doing round two I'm which sad. Pardon? I said, which is good. It's nice to come back and nice to see you and Picard again. So <laughs> it was, it's, I'm really happy that you got to come back. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, one of the benefits of doing us going at it a second time is that we can, you know, it's like there's a dry run and now yeah. this is the real thing. Yeah. Maybe we hit on more things that we were not uh, thinking about before. Yeah, maybe the more like more understanding, maybe more questions and things yeah. like that. And, you know, I, I feel like I touched the surface last time and we probably would need like a 10 hour podcast. Really, I've got yeah. <laughs> a lot to say. I find it so exciting. <laughs> it's fascinating. So, um, yeah. So let's uh, let's tell everybody what it is that you do. So I'm a hypnotherapist and I'm a solution focused hypnotherapist and a lot of people don't really actually know what that is. So this is an amazing opportunity for me to be able to reach a few more people and to kind of educate about it. So thanks ever so much for having me here. So yeah. what um, hypnotherapy is, is we use something called hypnosis or trance uh, in a therapeutic fashion to achieve some really positive gains for people. So it um, focuses on the future. It's a very solution focused way of dealing with things. And a lot of people will think of hypnotherapy or hypnosis is the stuff that's on the stage so you know when you're in high school and the hypnotist comes in and he puts people um you know they're stuck to their chairs or stealing shoes or <laughs> or whatever it is barking like dogs clucking like chickens etc yeah it, it's not that that's great entertainment and we all love a good stage show but that's not what I do I, I couldn't and wouldn't make you do anything that you don't want to do and actually in fact the people there are you know they're willing um participants to be up there as well yeah. And I was really relieved when you actually made the difference, like describe the difference between what you do and what the hypnotists do on stage. Um, when you are, and when you described to me what a trance was. Yeah. Because that, that really confused me because it, it, at first, like it makes you think that if you guys are hearing anything kind of strange in the background, Picard is doing a very strange cough. He does that every now and then. It's really funny. 
Um, but yeah, I was interested to know what a trance actually was because it at first kind of makes you feel like you weren't going to be in control. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, again, what people think about the stage stuff is that you're not in control. But in fact, they will do tests or experiments at the beginning of their shows to get people up there. And you'll probably remember if you've seen any of them that the people up there will start off with maybe 15 and will get whittled down to 10 because maybe yeah. people that they're not actually as willing as they want to be. So it's not something that can't happen to you unless you are willing. So I couldn't get someone you know, in front of me that didn't want to be hypnotized, I wouldn't be able to do it because you've got to be a willing participant to be able to be involved in that trance or hypnosis. Now, uh, as for what what trance is, um, trance and hypnosis, the words are kind of interchangeable. And so hypnosis actually comes from the Greek word to sleep, but you're not actually asleep when you're in hypnosis or trance. You're actually in an altered state of consciousness. And it's fascinating now because the scientists have kind of caught up with it and there's been lots of studies done and mm. they've been able to kind of look at people's brains and what's happening when they're in this trance-like state. And so what's brilliant about it is you get all these different brainwaves that you go through. You've got your um, alpha, beta, theta brainwaves and there are others as well. But when you're in that trance state, then you get into the theta brainwave state and that's very similar to when you're in your REM sleep so your rapid eye movement so you know that part of sleep when you dream yes generally that's the, the same sort of phase and um, the brainwaves are replicated so when you're in trance with me the brain's doing the same stuff it's doing when you're asleep and what your brain's doing when you're in REM sleep is it's processing the day's events so anything that's happened to you in the day if you haven't kind of got a conclusion for it or it's been bothering you or you haven't finalized it you'll go to bed at night and some people don't dream some people just move the, the things that have happened from one part of their brain to another part of the brain and they process it and other people don't other people will do it in a metaphorical way so that's why some of us have crazy dreams and I have wow I, I won't bore your listeners <laughs> with what I dreamt about last night but it was bizarre really? <laughs> I don't know what your dreams are like what are your dreams like yeah mine tend to be really <clears throat> bizarre yeah and they tend not to really be obviously relating to what has happened in the day but there are studies that have been um undertaken that those the people that have studied them and I can't remember the person's name now um that actually what has happened is just a way for your brain resolving everything that has happened in the day so you've got a conclusion so you know when someone says to you okay sleep on it you'll feel better in the morning yes and you do you generally do and that's because your brain's processed it for you so it is don't make a decision in a bad mood the night before sleep on it <laughs> that is so helpful and it, it's nice to know because like I've I tend to be a very impulsive person and I will make a decision on the spot and I've been learning especially lately because I've I've grown enough to understand that my decision has caused me to regret certain like actions right and it's because I I'm just like I'm feeling good in the moment and I say yes or I am feeling bad in, in a moment and I'm like no I don't want to I don't actually take the time to process it right and so it's good to be reminded of the value of actually taking the time to process it and mm. the value of actually sleeping on it because it's just not something that I really understood Right. Yeah, definitely. Sleep is such an important thing. It's important both physically and mentally. And we and, and an interesting thing is we all think, oh, well, I go to bed at 10 and I wake up at six. Well, I've had my eight hours. The chances are you haven't had your eight hours in that block of time because you'll go to bed at 10. You know, you'll brush your teeth, you'll get ready for bed, you'll read your book or probably people will play on their phones and right. get all that blue light, which again doesn't help with sleep. And then yeah. you'll toss and turn a bit in the night. And so your chances are you're probably only ending up with about six and a half hours sleep. So that's something to people get, to keep a bit of an awareness about is actually how much sleep are you getting and what is your, your sleep hygiene like like you know are you looking at all those blue lights which replicate the morning sunlight on your phone and your ipad before you go to sleep because that's going to um stop the relevant hormones being created for you to actually get to sleep and that, stay asleep oh that again so fascinating mm. 
I found uh, that, so a couple nights ago, actually, it was kind of funny. Generally, if I go to bed, I start reading, mm-hmm. I will get tired. Yeah. And then I will go to sleep and I gen- generally will drift off into sleep a little easier. Mm-hmm. Except for when I'm thinking about how I want to get up early. Okay. And so I'll like, I'll head to bed. I'm like, oh yeah, this is going to be a really great night. I'm going to bed so nice and early and I'm going to wake up early and it's going to be a really great day tomorrow. But then it's like, I put all this pressure on myself yeah. and I can't sleep. So yeah. the other night, this happened to me two nights ago. I actually got the kids in bed like, and all dealt with and asleep by 8.30. Wow. This is- and it was amazing. And that <laughs> was a miracle in itself. And then I went to go to bed and, um, and I couldn't sleep. I like, and I actually like, I actually was having a lot of anxiety. And I think that now, and like, as I've slept on it, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I realized that I, yeah, I was, I was really anxious, which I didn't actually notice at the time when yeah. I was trying to go to sleep. But I think it was because I was actually just putting so much pressure on to myself. make sure that you woke up early. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? When you've got, um, you know, a flight or something or it's like Christmas day the next day or something really exciting or something. You say, I need to wake up. I need to wake up. I need to wake up. We do that to ourselves. You wake up constantly throughout the night because you're like, oh, OK, I don't I can't oversleep. I don't want to oversleep. I want to make sure I get up early. And yeah. I always used to find that in my previous existence. If we would have early shifts, you know, sort of starting at six o'clock in the morning, we would be I would not sleep that first night into an early shift would not sleep well at all because you're just so kind of aware of it and your brain just keeps you awake because it doesn't want you to oversleep to get into trouble yeah Yeah, it's weird (laughs) it's so weird Mm. um but I have been trying to get more healthy habits in before bedtime so like you know just having a nice like warm cup of decaffeinated great yeah tea or whatever and then and read and not really watch tv so much in the evening yeah which is difficult because I actually find that watching tv helps me unwind right okay but then I can, if I'm watching a show or something that I'm like, is a bit of a cliffhanger, which I, I'm into more of those kinds of shows yeah. right now, as of late, as of late, I go to bed and I'm thinking about it. And then it's uh, like, okay. and then I'm trying to process it before I actually fall asleep. And then it, you know, keeps me up and right. Anyway, that was a bit of a sidetrack, <laughs> but thank you for joining me on that journey. <laughs> Not at all. Happy to. <laughs> but all of this, um, is, uh, is fascinating. And I, so I went in and had an appointment with you last yep. week uh-huh. and it was, I like, I'm still buzzing about it because Good. I found it so helpful. Like, because you, you mapped out my brain to me in a way that helped me understand some of the processes a little better and, um, explained so much to me. One of the things that you said that is actually written on a piece of paper that you use to describe some things to me was the, um, the REM sleep only taking up about 25% of our night. That's right. Yeah. And so for people that have got, you know, Fitbits or Apple Watches or whatever, any devices that I'm probably not supposed to say anything actually thinking about or any other relevant device that will record your sleep. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not endorsing anything. Um, People will note that their REM sleep generally will be between about 20 and 25%. um, And that's because it's a really exhausting phase of your sleep because your brain is working so hard when it's in that phase. It it is restricted down to about a quarter of your thing. So I think it's about four times harder your brain's working than it's working currently for you and I to have this conversation, um, which just kind of blows my mind how you can you know your brain can be doing that stuff while you're asleep it's fascinating and I absolutely love it um so some people will find that 
if they've got too much going on in their lives, if there's too much stress going on, that they might be waking up at maybe three, four, five o'clock in the morning and they'll have this thought in their mind and they're then very difficult for them to get back to sleep and all the other thoughts will then come in. And what's happening there is the brain is getting to that point where it's had enough and it's like, whoa, we need to wake this person up right now because if they carry on sleeping, they are going to wake up exhausted because we can't REM sleep all night. And so that's what will wake people up generally two, three, four in the morning and they've got something on on their mind and that'll be what that is. It's the brain waking you up to say enough is enough right now but it can go the other way as well and there are some people they've got so much going on in their lives so much stress so much anxiety and it fills what it's a metaphorical stress bucket that we have and if that is so full up to the top and overflowing some people will sleep for you know 12 14 hours and they will wake up and they're absolutely exhausted the opposite way so they will be their brain has worked so hard and had more REM sleep that they're absolutely exhausted because their poor old brain has just worked really really hard for a lot of hours and so that's why sometimes people can sleep for a long time and not be refreshed afterwards again so (laughs) fascinating I I didn't know that and that like that helped put together so much for me too because I um I tend to have really vivid dreams and I find that and actually Sean my husband will say to me and uh, it's just kind of funny because whenever he said it to me in the past, I'd just be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But now it's like, oh, this actually could make a lot more sense. Um, was that like he'd be like, oh, man, I had like really intense dreams and it felt like it just was all night last night. Like, I'm so tired. Mm, right. And now it's kind of like, oh, that makes sense now. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense. Yeah. Fascinating. Hmm. I think it's fascinating. Yeah. And so we yeah. So I came in and I saw you last week. And one of the other things that I found so helpful was that when we were getting ready for the hypnotherapist part of the the hypnosis yeah the hypnosis yeah part of this of the um, session was you addressed certain things that that could be around us that could potentially kind of take my attention or make me kind of uh what's the word I'm looking for become alarmed or distracted distracted yeah and So it's all about making people comfortable and, you know, because sometimes we, we might end up thinking about things and it might be like, oh my God, like, what if I, what if I can't do this? What if, what if I think about something else? Well, that's okay. Sometimes, you know, if you, like with meditation and you say to somebody, don't think any thoughts, of course, all the thoughts are going to come into your head. It's like saying, don't think about a pink elephant. Okay. Well, how many people now put your hand up? has got a pink elephant in their brain, right? So it's just about then acknowledging the thought when you realize it's happening and allow it to go away and then just bring your attention gently back to the sound of things. And it's about not beating yourself up if stuff like that happens about being kind to yourself you know there might be noises outside we don't live in an entirely silent world but actually we don't need to let those noises worry us we can still go through our trance and still and you know sometimes it can help us to relax even more into that trance that we're in so it you know it's about making somebody comfortable as, as they can be so they're not worrying about all these extraneous factors that might distract them so it is just about centering somebody and making them feel comfortable definitely taking away those potential worries or concerns that they might have and there's something that i never would have thought about um, when I've, cause I've tried meditating, like I, I meditate pretty much daily. Yeah. And good. Well done you. Pardon? <laughs> I said, well done. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, it's good. It's a really good practice. It, I find that it really does help me, uh, understand how to relax a little Definitely. bit more effectively. Yeah. And I found that having that session with you helped deepen that understanding even more. Brilliant. Good. I'm pleased. And it, and, and I think one of the truly valuable parts of it was that it helped me know how to address distractions because like before it was kind of like okay yes distractions are okay but you are the way that you talk like the way that you spoke Mm -hmm. 
it was very just brought up things that was kind of like oh yeah like that's you would think nothing of that Mm -hmm. but because you brought it up it allowed it to not be a problem yeah I just, I found that, again, this whole thing is, is so fascinating. And I feel like I'm um, being, I'm just like finally seeing a new way to actually look at different problems, which is refreshing. Yeah, good. I'm glad that you think that. And because I think it as well, when I, you know, when I learned how to do it and um, that, you know, one of the things you brought up is I talked to you about the brain and how it works and perhaps sometimes how we can sabotage ourselves and how we can help ourselves and gave you kind of a bit of a blueprint almost to that. Yeah. And um learning that kind of having that page of the user manual almost and having mm-hmm. that understanding about oh maybe this is what I'm doing maybe this is was where I'm going this is why I'm thinking that this is how I could address that these are the things I can do to help myself that is just hugely helpful in itself even without the hypnosis side of things so just to have that very basic level of understanding is so useful for people I found it really useful for, for myself when I learned it it's brilliant mm-hmm it, yes. And so what made you decide that you wanted to get into hypnotherapy? Oh, great question. You. <laughs> You're good at this. <laughs> um, so I was, I, I don't know if we spoke about this before, actually, I don't know if you knew, but I used to be a detective when I was back in England. So I was a... Ser- so cool. <laughs> it's funny, people kind of think that that's more interesting than the hypno. <laughs> I think they find it less scary, which is weird, because when I was in the police, people were like, oh God, that you know, you're a police officer, that's a bit scary. <laughs> and now I say, oh, I'm a hypnotherapist. They're like, oh, police officer, that's cool. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. That's so funny. <laughs> so, police officer was scary. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think probably if you've done something wrong, we were probably a bit on the scary side. But anyway. Mm, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was in the police force. I was a detective. And um, it was kind of a combination of a couple of things, really. I'd always had my eye slightly on um, another thing that I could do that I'd have an extra string to my bow. And I went to a talk. Um, you heard of Louise Hay? So Hay House Publishing, she she's passed now, but she um, quite famous for writing lots of sort of self help books, affirmations, lots of that sort of stuff. I've, I think I've heard of of her, but I haven't. I don't not familiar recall. with her work. Maybe yeah. yeah. Um, she uh, has had courses where she creates sort of coaches and people to help. And I went to a talk that this lady gave, and one of the things the lady did was, uh, okay, well, here's a test for everybody in the room. Uh, you score between uh, one and. Six seven on five no one and five on seven different topics or okay. one and seven on five different topics anyway the top score you could have got was 35 you know it would have been work relationship family uh, self-worth things like that mm. and when she asked for everybody's results you know she started with anybody over 30 and uh, then she's like anybody over 20 and then the majority of the people which were actually mostly women in that talk were um probably around 15 and some of them even lower and it just absolutely broke my heart to think oh my goodness me, you're in your, you know, your 40s, 50s, and you're sad, you're unhappy, you're not making the most out of your life. And this is such a precious gift that we've got here that we're given. And Mm. oh my goodness, why wouldn't you want to make the best of it? And it just really broke my heart. So a couple of things kind of always have having an interest in uh, things other than the police and wanting to do something different, extra on top to be able to help, because obviously I would see a lot of stuff that went on. So to kind of help in a different way and then seeing it actually really you know in everybody's life not just in the kind of the the victims lives just normal people were really really struggling as well and I just thought blimey and so 
then it just evolved. I started thinking more and more about what I could do. Then the hypnotherapy came up. Somebody I used to go to college with about 20 years before actually kind of popped back up and had become a hypnotherapist a few years before. And I thought, oh, interesting, I could do that. And so, yeah, so then pursued that and kind of went and studied for 10 months in Bristol in England. Um, it was once a month. It wasn't 10 months solid. Um, so I'd go up there and go with my weekends up and uh, obviously gave time up in the UK. And I did have that, my hypnotherapy practice alongside being a detective as well. Um, wow. And then moved to Canada and then I opened up here at the beginning of the year so that's amazing yeah and what was it that um because I assume that when you're starting to understand you were saying earlier when you start to understand more how your brain works then it helps you put together different pieces from your own life yeah absolutely did you find that it was helpful because you were saying that some of the things that you saw as a detective I can't even imagine some of the things that you must have seen as a detective did it help you piece together anything from that previous life yeah I think so I think it helped me to kind of learn to deal with you know maybe like anxieties and stresses around work so when I first became a detective it was kind of for me at that time I was just like omg this is you know huge what am I doing mm. um because it was all big and new and it was you know stuff that I hadn't really experienced before and then and I would worry about it I would if I worked a night shift generally would be there were very few uh staff and if something happened you would be obviously there's the frontline officers who would go first doing a fabulous job but then we would get called in as the experts um for like crime scene preservation etc and then have to take the investigation to the next level and of course as a brand new detective you're not very far away from where you used to be and you don't have that much experience yet but yet you're still kind of looked at to be in that position of being in charge mm. and so I would you know I'd finish a night shift and I would worry and, you know I'd be like a little squirrel my friends used to joke that my name was Nutty the squirrel and so I'd have mm. my little hands together be like and they'd be like tapping together like oh gosh I'm so worried <laughs> and um and so yes yeah, so it was quite you know I wouldn't sleep after a night shift because I'd be thinking what they you know what have I like have I done the right thing have I made the right choice anyway eventually over time and you know I guess a bit more experience a bit of learning more about myself a good advice from friends as well who were you know in the job um I managed I learned to kind of let go of it a lot and I'm a lot better now at just letting things like slide I won't worry so much I don't really bother that much about what other people think like I will a bit and if if I find myself going down a wormhole I'm at least now I have the knowledge to be able to say Verity why are you doing that stop it you know this is entirely made up in your own head and so I can I can deal with myself a lot better now than than I ever used to be able to that's for sure yeah I think that um I've been thinking this morning actually about some of the thought patterns that we find ourselves in that lead to us making certain decisions and how we can get so confused when we see other people make certain decisions that we can't relate to. And I, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. This is just my first time saying it out loud. So okay. I'm still trying to sort this out. How do we, it's like a question of how do we train our brains to start making healthier decisions for ourselves? And I know that that's something that, um, of course, we ponder. Mm -hmm. I find that one way that I learn best is by actually seeing it as an example in someone else. Okay. So when I watch somebody else making healthy decisions for themselves, yeah, I like to be able to get in, inside their head as much as I can to see what exactly they thought, how they, 
how they decided whether or not that thought was a healthy one or an unhealthy one. Hmm. And then how they counteracted that thought if it was an unhealthy one. Yeah. And took your and then took yourself into a healthy uh, into some healthy uh, decisions and lifestyles. Hmm. That's interesting. And I feel like I have so much to say <laughs> around <Yeah>? it. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'll try not to go off on too many tangents. So it's interesting. So I think like having an awareness really helps an awareness that maybe you are having some issues or you are struggling or you want to make some changes. So that is like massively the first step is to kind of come to that realization. Cause sometimes people will bimble through their lives and they're, they just don't know what alternatives that there possibly could be. They just don't have that knowledge. So I think when you get to a point where you realize that, then it's the steps that you can take to, to expand that knowledge. So for example, you said about, you know, finding other people, what are they doing? What healthy choices are they making? What can I learn from them? Then I think when you get to that point, it's kind of, you know, well, talk to other people, read stuff, watch things, find out what works for you. You know, there are, I think there's a list of about 17 things that kind of people, successful people will be able to say, these are the things that you should, should do. Um, and you know, it's up to you if you do them or, or not do them and you've got to do them in a way that works for you. And it's things like eat well, sleep well, uh, have exercise, um, have your spirituality, whether that be in a religious way or um, whatever your kind of spiritual way is, uh, volunteer, learning, um, do things for other people. Um, and I'm not gonna be able to remember the rest of them now, but maybe we could talk one day another about, about that list and kind of expand out on them or something I would love to do that cool okay we should definitely do that because that would be really interesting Mm -hmm. um but all those things and oh meditation and you know if you do those things then generally you're going to get on pretty okay in life you know we need to we need to grow as people we need to learn we need to put something back to be able to kind of feel good ourselves as well and be able to help other people and so there's just this big thing so all of those things together can help and it's beginning to find out what works for you like what are your things what are your triggers? How do you know if you're starting to go down a wormhole? You know, and if you do go down a wormhole, well, okay, what do you know brings you back from it? And it's to try and to test. And the only way to do it is to experiment with it, is to just get that knowledge and talk to people and just find out a little bit more. That, okay. Oh my goodness, this is this is fascinating because, and now it's um, making me think about some other things. I like that you that you mentioned knowing what your own triggers are because that's the thing we all have these different triggers, right? And so I like I like to watch other people. I find that I learn how to live my life best mm-hmm. by watching somebody who has a healthy way of viewing their lives live. Right, it can be inspiring, can't it? It's Yes, Mm. absolutely inspiring. Yeah. And when I get to actually get inside their head in a way and understand their thoughts or at least hear their thoughts, Mm -hmm. then it makes it easier for me to start asking myself certain questions about what I actually think about their thoughts. Yeah. And, And respecting the fact that their thoughts are unique to them but are also really helpful to me because it helps open up my mind to more options that are out there. Absolutely. Yeah. And then sometimes a lot of the time I have been finding, especially recently is that people will actually say something that I think, wow, that actually sounds exactly like me. Mm -hmm. And you come and now you're, you're mentioning a solution that you've come up for yourself that I find 
could really, that I think could really work for me. Yeah. And then I tried out and a lot of the times, like it really is helpful. Mm. And I get a lot of advice from, uh, from people. And sometimes the advice is something that I'm always like, it is something that I'm always grateful for, Yeah. but it's not always something that is going to be effective for me. And I think that another major thing that I've I've learned is that I can't just give people advice and expect them to be to benefit from it. And and it's true then for advice that people give me. I'm not always mm-hmm. going to benefit from the advice that they give me, but it's always good to hear it because there is going to be a piece of advice that really benefits me. Yeah. And helps me learn who more about who I am, what my triggers are, and how I actually can feel better. Yeah. So and I find that when, um, when I came in last week, it was like I was able to find another way under, of understanding what makes me feel better. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, if you don't speak to other people, you don't find out, you don't ask, you're never going to know, are you? So it's always worth speaking to somebody about, you know, not like necessarily in a therapeutic fashion, but just speaking to all sorts of people or, you know, and listening to what people have to say. Because sometimes people I find can be quite, um, well, that's just stupid. I'm not listening to that opinion. It's not my opinion. Therefore, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And actually, I would disagree with that because I think it's really important to listen. Because even if you don't want to take on that person's advice necessarily, mm. well, if you just didn't take on anyone's advice, then you're not going to like benefit from that one person out of 10 that you might have learned something from, are you? So actually, it's definitely worth speaking to other people and listening to them, even if you hadn't initially thought you were going to maybe like their advice or whatever it's just make keeping yourself open really because there's a hell of a lot of stuff out there that we don't know and that lots of other people know right <laughs> yeah 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 th- that reminds me of a um thing that i heard uh recently wh- which was how about uh it was a suggestion that you talk to people as though they might know something that you don't know <laughs> yeah which is, is funny because of course they do but it's like the way that our minds work is it, we're like i find that I know myself well enough, at least, to know that I can operate under the assumption that I know a lot. Right. Okay. Right. And then I'm talking with somebody else and that's like, it's like you forget that, yeah, this person that I'm talking to right now will know something that I don't and it's likely quite valuable. Right. So, but, but it's it's just kind of funny how these things don't necessarily occur to you until you start this this journey of trying to discover how you operate. Yeah. So and it's good to talk. Yeah. It's also good to listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then what are some of the ways that you help manage your your mental health, your physical health, your life? Yeah. So for me, it's, you know, it's probably all of the obvious things. It's, you know, make sure that you get your sleep. Make sure that you eat well. Get outside in nature is a big one. Uh, mm. Do gratitude. So that is like such a useful tool for me. Um, so if I find I am having a bit of a grumble, maybe, mm-hmm. then um, I'll realise I'm doing it, acknowledge it and say, right, okay, come on, what are we going to do about this? And then I will um, get my gratitude list out in my head effectively. Um, and I will say, right, I'm grateful for, you know, all of like loads of loads of different stuff but it doesn't have to be big stuff it doesn't have to be like I'm grateful for my life I'm grateful for my house I'm grateful for my you know my health and all of these different things it can be really small stuff so I can't remember if I've told you this one or not but the other day um I was doing my gratitude 
list and I was going through, I was like, I'm grateful for Savlon because Savlon's good for mosquito bites and I've got some mosquito bites. And I was like, I'm grateful for my mosquito bites because that means that I've been outside and I've been doing something nice. So I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it can be small stuff as well. It can be, you know, and that's just about reframing because mosquito bites are frankly irritating and itchy, aren't they? Yes. There's not really anything good about them. But Sometimes if you find a situation that's not brilliant, if you can maybe think of a different way of looking at it is to change your perspective slightly. Well, is there something good about it? If you looked at it from a different way, you know, is there anything? And if it is a rubbish situation, well, did you learn anything from it? And, you know, if you've learned something from it, well, then that's a positive, isn't it? So, you know, it's just about switching that opinion. And we can be grateful for really small things as well, such as, you know, the beautiful flowers outside or the cute squirrel on the balcony or my slippers because my feet are warm. Ah, slippers. I love slippers. I do. Yeah. <laughs> and, and big comfy socks. Oh. That's another, yeah. I need some new slippers, actually. Me too. Oh. Yeah. We should go slipper shopping. We totally should. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> There's another thing to be grateful for. Right. Oh, but future slipper shopping. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so then how do you find that, uh, how have you found that your outlook on life has changed since you started doing these practices? Like, have you, have you found that, um, and have you found that you've been more productive? So I think that it's probably been quite a gradual thing yeah. and I wouldn't say it's been a boom because it's actually very difficult to just make a hundred changes all at once. It's easier just to make sort of small incremental changes. Yeah. Um, and I used to, t- I used to find this. So, you know, years ago I'd be like, right, I'm going to health for on health, like bender i don't know if that's not the, not the right word but like a health health kick health kick that's the right one thank mm. you um you know and it would be like okay so i'm gonna eat well i'm gonna exercise every day i'm not gonna drink any alcohol i'm gonna be not biting my nails i'm gonna be doing this and this and this and actually that would work really well for me for a few weeks but then inevitably like after a bit of time it would just kind of like fade out fade out again mm. but now it's just kind of like the you know just making those small changes when you can take it one step at a time and and i think over time that has gradually happened for me so i think i'm just in a much better place now from having that gradual learning I think that's kind of what life is isn't it I think once you get a bit older you pick up on a few things and realize some things aren't perhaps as important as they might once have been and actually once you let all that go then you know you don't need the the fancy car and the fancy bags and the fancy whatever actually you can just enjoy experiences a lot a lot more so yeah Yeah. and uh I like that you actually brought up uh deciding what things are more important because I find that, um, especially when I, like, I'm reflecting a little bit more. I'm just, I'm still just getting into my thirties, but I noticed that in my twenties, I did kind of get caught up in a lot of these, uh, pursuits of things that I found pretty or yeah, like you you just kind of look at it and you're like, Ooh, I think that would be nice. Oh, that's shiny. Yeah. That's shiny. And don't get me wrong. I do still like shiny stuff. Oh, (laughs) me too. (laughs) But, uh, it's like learning how to prioritize those things. Yeah. And, and then like, and as like, I've kind of learned recently, I'm not like, I enjoy clothes. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy clothing, but I'm not in need of all of this nice clothing all the time. I don't really go out that much and I right. have nice enough clothing to go out in. And so it's kind of like turning off those, those, um, instincts that before kind of kicked in like oh I need that right and the reason that you need it is because that's going to give you that dopamine hit isn't it that you know lovely chemical of oh I need it I want it and you know it's a bit like all the likes on on Facebook or whatever or Instagram you get it and it's like you check and you're like oh yeah sort of 72 people have liked it that's fantastic and mm-hmm. it's the same thing and they're obviously designed that way because 
they will make money out of it. Um, right. But for us, we get that dopamine hit out of it. We're like, oh, look at this amazing new purse that I've just bought or um, uh, like a lovely nail varnish or whatever it is. It gives us that hit in that little instant. But then it, it dies away again. So it's about learning, well, how can I get serotonin and dopamine producing around my body without having to do those instantaneous gratification hits such as shopping or posting on the internet or, you know, um, for other people, it's, it's different things. It's addictions or whatever. Um, so, you know, if going out for a walk makes you feel good, do that. If going out for a coffee with a friend makes you feel good, well, do that. If reading a book makes you feel good, do that. I don't know, arts and crafts, whatever it is, is your thing. Figure out what your things are, where you can constantly do the things that you like doing. And then you're always producing that serotonin and that dopamine. And when we're doing that, then we're in a much better state and our bodies and our minds are much, much calmer. And that's one of the things that hypnotherapy can actually help you do is that you begin to kind of like calm things down a little bit and get the body back to that beautiful homeostasis that we're born with and then we kind of you know if we get all the stress and the cortisol and adrenaline's kind of going then that messes up that balance and then that can then come out physically uh, and emotionally in, in loads of different ways but if you can just kind of get people back to a more balanced level then that can help with so many different things you know some people might turn to food some people might turn to drugs some people might turn to alcohol or shopping addictions or sex addictions or you know computer game addictions or um, sometimes it will come out it'll manifest physically with you know um, migraines irritable bowel all sorts of things but actually just getting that balance back in your life can be such a helpful tool to help with so many different things okay uh, okay so here's the other thing as you were talking about building up these healthy habits that help uh give you more regular hits in of dopamine yep dopamine and serotonin, serotonin. yeah um What's the difference between sitting down and reading a book or going out and buying a new piece of clothing? Is it is one going to is one going to be more effective in the long run, or is it because you can sit down and read a book and do that over a period of like a longer period, and it's not going to be as uh, much of an impact take as much of an impact on your bank account as going out right. And that's the thing with the shopping. It's like an instant gratification thing. So it'll feel good in that instant, but it's not going to, you know, that same dress isn't going to make you feel fabulous four days down the line. Whereas identifying the habits that do make you, I mean, if you've got a million dollars a week and you can afford to go and buy all those new frocks, then I'm sure that that's fine for you. But I think that's not realistic for the rest of us. And as I say, those are instant gratification hits. And so the more that you do it, the more that you want it. And the more that you do it, the less effective it becomes. But it's just finding those things. So um, people with addiction, so for drug addiction, for example, mm -hmm. the first time they take something, and it's difficult because I'm trying to demonstrate this physically, but obviously your listeners can't hear it, um, can't see it. So, you know, you'll um, take a Lego block, and the first time you take a hit of heroin, say you'll get a Lego block that's 10, 10 centimetres tall. And then what happens is when that wears off, it will go down to like, say, minus one. So the next time you take that hit of heroin, it will go up to nine. And then the next time, then when it comes down, it go down to minus two. And so next time you take it, it'll go up to eight and then down to minus three. So you're always going to end up a little bit lower than you started off before you ever took it. And we can get into cycles like that as well with things like with people if they want to eat something. So they'll think, oh, I really want to eat the cookie. So they'll eat the cookie because they're hunting for that dopamine hit. Once they've eaten the cookie, then they'll think, oh, actually, I don't feel so good anymore. And so then they'll end up going lower in the thing because they'll feel guilty and they'll start adding stress and negativity into their stress bucket because oh man I've eaten a cookie and I shouldn't have done that and then they beat themselves up about it so they're desperate for the the hit of the dopamine because it makes them feel 
better. But then afterwards, because of the thing that they've done to get that hit, then makes them feel guilty because they've either got no money in their bank balance, they've just put a load of rubbish into their body, or you know they generally don't feel very good about it. Mm. Then then they're in that cycle, and so they're searching for it more to be able to get that hit back. But you'll never get that first hit back as good as you got it. So it's to try to find those things that will give you that general constant flow that makes you feel good, and that's things like positive interaction with people, positive activities. So doing those things that you like doing that are you know not spending a million dollars a week um Mm. and and positive thoughts as well like the gratitude meditation visualization manifestation all of these things are are really positive useful tools for people to kind of have a think about if they want to do and it might not work for everybody you know some people don't like the the woo-woo side of things hypno's not woo-woo by the way it's it's backed up by science now but you know (laughs) some of the other things people look at and they're a bit like oh that's a bit a bit weird um but it, it works for some people and that's the thing again finding your things are things that are good for you that's what it's all about you said visualization and manifestation. I'm not, I'm somewhat familiar with visualization. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm very familiar with manifestation. Um, and I find that very interesting because these are these new techniques that are, they're always, there are always new, new ways of approaching our lives to help maintain a more healthy balance. Yeah. And we can get ourselves so lost in, these old ways that we've tried and perhaps didn't work. And then it can make it so we lose hope. But then it's like, well, here's a reminder that there are always new ways coming out and that are perhaps going to be the thing that you need to do or that is really effective for you. So it's like, it's like an encouragement of like, there's always somewhere there, there's always something being discovered and there are always ways that you can find that healthy balance, those healthy, um, regular hits of, or maybe not hits, but uh, administration of dopamine and serotonin. Yeah. And it's not necessarily those things are new per se. It's just that they're coming to be more mainstream, I think. So, yeah. And I think that, um, you know, well, I mean, if you go back through the history of time that, you know, the, the monks and the Buddhists and they've all, they've always meditated haven't they that's always been something that they have done and that then that has become more popular I think sort of in the 20th century it kind of picked up and then kind of in the 70s and 80s it began to get bigger I think the 70s the Beatles became very big didn't they with for for the meditation Uh, I think were they transcendental meditation we're not too sure anyway but things um are building your mindfulness is a strand of meditation and that's something that's really picked up over the last few years certainly and I think that all the you know the visualization the manifestation you know if you just google it you'll get loads of information about any of those things if you wanted to find out more about it I mean again we could talk for so many hours in here but you know we we won't um but yeah I think the world that we live in we've got a greater awareness of all of the things that that are out there for people definitely thank you for clarifying on that that's cool and, uh, okay. So we've covered a little bit of your journey. What made you decide that you wanted to get into hypnotherapy and what was it that, uh, brought you to Canada? My husband's job. Ah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, so he was posted over here and so I 
oh yeah brilliant i'll pack my suitcase and come along as well (laughs) (laughs) why not (laughs) this is a total side note but like when canadians come to the uk we're always like oh my gosh it's so much better than canada is it the same (laughs) do you feel the kind of the same way when you come over here or are you still like it's always new and exciting isn't it to come to a new place and it's brilliant what's fantastic about here is just the the space the greenery there's a lake on every corner you know (laughs) there's so many trees and it's fantastic and you know we do have lakes and greenery in england but not to the same extent and it's fantastic and I feel like really blessed and lucky to live here so so lucky to be able to have this adventure I love it here and it is it's a beautiful place and on a real geek note I really love the geology it's amazing all the rocks and stuff really yeah that's cool I think it's pretty cool like a reminder of like why we like where we live yeah but no I love it here it is good and you know the UK and Nova Scotia they're not that dissimilar really in lots of ways yeah they're then we speak the same language obviously which is helpful (laughs) except for you have the cool accent well i mean you have a cool accent to us so oh hey hey that's different okay cool okay um so yeah so yeah and a lot of the food stuff is kind of similar and you know so it's not a difficult kind of transition but yeah no i love being here i'm really really happy it's good Yay. Okay, good. <laughs> We're happy that you're here. Thank you. And and then you started up your business in January. Yep. And when was it, how long did it take you to actually get that started and going? So um, I kind of started seeing customers in January. Okay. Um, I probably set up around November time in terms of trying to get my name out there to let a few people know. And so I kind of got in touch with the press and some local bloggers and kind of got my name out that way. And then from January onwards, that's kind of how it has been rolling and increasing. So, um, yeah, it's, it, people are fascinated by it once they know about it and once they know what it is they're really quite interested so yeah yeah it's cool and I wanted to actually go back a little bit to to the trance again, yeah because there was a way that you described what a trance was to me before that yeah. was really helpful to me it was the driving oh uh, of example. course yes yes I can yeah I'll go there no worries the um so one of the things that um I didn't mention this time because I think we've done our spiral like let's talk about all of the things yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, no gosh no I love it um <laughs> is that when you're in trance there's these things called your critical faculties so they get lowered and so those are the things that are kind of a bit suspicious looking out for danger like where are the lions and tigers is anything going to attack us um you know where's our next meal coming from and they're kind of just aware and keeping you safe now when you're in that trance state they get lowered and so what happens when they're lowered is that you're then able to go into or your brain your subconscious then get able to go into a problem solving mode so for example um when you're doing the dishes uh no say for example in the day you've tried to think of something and you're like oh i can't remember the answer to that question or who that actor is who is it and then later on that evening you're doing the dishes or the laundry or whatever and then all of a sudden it'll pop into your mind because yeah. what it's like a light bulb moment yeah yes And so what's happened is your critical faculties have been able to lower because they're like, oh, this is not going to kill us. We know this. We've done this 3,000 billion times before. It's fine. (laughs) feels like it sometimes, doesn't it? Uh (laughs) And so uh, the problem solving part can then come out. And so that's the beauty of trance. And so in a session, what will happen is uh, we'll talk for the first half of a session, find out about, okay, well, you know, what's been good? Where are you at the moment? 
where would you like to go and how are we going to get there? And what the beauty of that is that's using your conscious mind to send a really strong signal down to that subconscious mind because that subconscious mind is got so many bits of information coming in. It's about 20 million bits of information a day, I think it is. And the conscious can handle about seven plus or minus two at any one time. And so you need to, the conscious mind, that bit that you know is you, that's kind of right, well, this is what I want to do with my life and this is how I want to do things, needs to be really firm with that subconscious. It needs to say, this is what we want to do. And once the subconscious has a good, strong signal in there, it's able to say, oh, okay, well, maybe that's what we'll figure out. We'll try to figure out how we're going to find those little solutions for that. And so then when you're in trance, the critical faculty is lower. And so the brain can then problem solve and can go and work on those things that you've said that you, conscious you, wants you to be able to do. And so um, a description of how trance might feel then, more more to your question, was... um, it's a very ordinary state. And so we go through it when we go to sleep and when we wake up from sleep, when we're reading, when we're running, uh, doing exercise, we can go into trance. But sometimes when you're watching a movie and you're eating popcorn and you're like, oh, where did all the popcorn go? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's the state. But also when you're driving and you drive somewhere and you get to the other end and you kind of think, oh my goodness, like how did I get here? And so you go into a kind of a trance-like state. It's a bit like daydreaming. So we call it an altered state of consciousness. So you're not asleep. Right. But it's an altered state of consciousness. It's just a very deeply relaxed state where those brainwaves, as I said before, replicate that REM sleep. And it's just a really beautiful, relaxed, lovely place to be. And there's a way to actually assign like tasks to your brain for what you want to accomplish while you're in that trance. It's just all about identifying the things that you actually do want to achieve. So there's a part of your brain called the reticular activating center. And when that is activated, then it will start to look for those things for you. So for example, if you go to the uh, garage and you buy a car and you think, oh, I'm the first person ever in Nova Scotia to have a red mini because you've never probably noticed a red mini before. Anyway, Mm. you drive off the parking lot and then you get home and you've probably seen about six red minis on the way home. And you think, oh, there's loads of red minis after all, actually, aren't there? And that's because that part of your brain that never had really thought about a red mini before is now really conscious and turned onto that. So that's a bit like how the law of attraction and visualization will work. Because if you kind of say to your brain, right, or um, like, well, these are the things that I want to think about. This is how I want to achieve it. It then knows. And it's not necessarily your conscious brain doesn't have to figure out the little steps, how it's going to get there. It's about keeping your eye on that prize. And it will work itself out. You just believe that you're going to get it. Don't worry about the details. Really strongly believe that you're going to get there and visualize it. And it will all come. So say, for example, if you decided you wanted to climb Mount Everest, mm-hmm. what you would start to notice is you would start to, you know, there'd be a travel magazine for a trip to India or there would be an offer on some walking shoes in the shop or, you know, all the travel programs would be about Mount Everest or these different things would kind of begin to come into your life and that's because you've got that part of your brain activated and turned on to those things that you want to achieve so it's really really good to send a strong signal down to that use your conscious mind to send a strong signal down to your subconscious so it knows what to work on and knows what to look out for you wow so there's actually (laughs) scientific what evidence to back up this whole like you know how people like are talking about like yeah if you really like send that out into the universe then the universe will give it back to you but it's actually like you're activating a part of your brain saying i need you to pay attention to these things that are happening so that when they come along you're going to pick up on it and then you can actually do something with it yeah the reticular activating center that's the part of your brain that will then keep its eye out for the things that you want to achieve fascinating (laughs) and there was another thing that you went over with me which was the neural pathways yes and how you can create a new one yeah so people used to think that the brain was hard 
wired yeah um but they discovered something called neuroplasticity which means that you actually you can change things you know plasticine you can change it into a different shape can't you mm. and so you can create these new neural pathways so um, in your brain you have these things called neurons and then when you think something or do something then this little electrical signal will go between these different neurons and the first time that you do something like it will be slow because it's never maybe made that connection in your brain before but the more times you do it the stronger and faster that signal will go because you're more and more used to doing it so it's a bit like learning to tie your shoelaces you'll tie your shoelaces when you're a child and it's really hard you're like oh my goodness me the rabbit and the tree and the bunny like how how does it all work but (laughs) yeah you get there eventually and now you stick your sneakers on and it's a subconscious activity you don't even think about it you just get on with it and you just do it and it's the same that's because you've done it so many times that you that neural pathway that message that gets sent has got stronger and stronger and stronger and deeper and deeper and more and more ingrained and that's the same like so we can learn new ones so maybe the first time you think oh okay so I was having a really negative thought I'm going to think about it maybe I'm going to think about something more positive instead um okay well uh what do I like thinking about Mm." and then you think oh okay maybe like my gratitude list right thinking about my pets or my family or you know things like this that first time might be a bit tricky but the more and more and more times you do it, that neural pathway gets stronger and the easier it then becomes. So that's why we have to practice things. That's why we have to learn habits. You know, you can't, um, oh, I don't know what would be a habit. Nice. Say so you wanted to meditate every day. Mm. You know, sometimes it can be hard and you think, oh, I can't bother or I don't want to sit down for 15 minutes and meditate. And then yeah. you have to really make yourself do it. And you have to do it for a number of times. And there's an argument out there as to whether it's 28 days or 30 something or 60, someone told me the other day. Wow. So how many times you have to do something every single day to make it become a habit. So we can create new habits and new patterns of behavior and new thoughts, but we have to put the effort in to be able to do it as well. We have to want to change. And you were talking about how when you, le- you then start using another neural pathway that perhaps is uh, leading you to those negative thoughts when you use it less and it's like it grows over. Yeah, absolutely. Imagine yourself, you were, I know, in a forest and you had, uh, like I say, a swamp over there that you're really used to going to and it's very easy and the path is well-trodden and you just keep going and nothing can grow because you're walking on it every day. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you've got like a nice glade over here somewhere and that, because you're not really used to going there, it's all overgrown and it's brambles and it's bushes and all the rest of it. Well, actually, the first time you go there, it's going to be tricky because you've got to cut all the brambles out of the way. It's going to be slow progress and you get them all out of the way. Then the second time you go, it's going to be a bit easier. And the third time you go, it'll be easier. And by the time you've been 28, 30 something or 60 times, hmm. it's going to be a clear, nice, easy path for you to be able to go down. So to keep practicing and doing it is good. And then because you've spent so much time going down that neural pathway, you'll stand where you are and you'll look over towards the swamp and you'll be like, oh, look what's happened in the meantime. Look, these brambles and these bushes and everything have started to grow back over that path. And so when you stop using the neural pathways, they can grow over. And uh, sometimes there is a thing, and I don't know the exact science behind it, but I have read it, that there's a bit like a gardener in your brain will come around and can just completely get rid of those old paths. Those uh, completely... And I, I had no idea. And that that actually adds just such a uh, new like inspiration or encouragement, I right. find. That to know it's possible. Yeah. Like we don't have to think this same way all the time. We can, you know, we can with practice develop new patterns of behavior and thoughts. Definitely. I love it. I'm glad you love it. I love it too. Yeah. <laughs> And okay, so we're nearing the end of the podcast, but I do like to ask everybody one question, um, and that is, which you're familiar with now, (laughs) what does it look to you to be mentally healthy? And again, it's funny because I was driving here today, I thought, oh, what was the question she asked? 
And then I thought, mm. okay, what did I say last time? I couldn't remember. But you mean specifically like in, in, rela- in relation to me. Yeah, I think just you personally. In, to me, yeah. So it's it's those things that I mentioned earlier on in the, in the podcast that making sure that I do those things. So, you know, the eating well, the sleeping well, the um, getting out in nature, the gratitude, the meditation, which I could do better at. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably one of the things I need to work on. Uh, <laughs> and though I know that doing those things make me feel good. I know after the weekend, if I've, you know, I've not slept very well or we've been out partying or whatever, I'll, I'll be rubbish, you know, for maybe the first day or two of the week. And actually to get back to those good habits, the difference is phenomenal. So I know the right things to do to look after myself. And I'm so grateful for that. And it's just, again, sometimes reminding yourself to do them. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. And then I and, and then allowing those other neural pathways to be taken care of by the gardener. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, gardener. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for taking care of that. <laughs> I really like that. Hmm. Um, and I find that this is, has added a new perspective for me as I've kept, as I've said, like, I don't, I've lost count of how many times I've said it, but it does help me add a new perspective and, a, um, kind of like a new tool for me to use. And when it comes to trying to rewire my brain or, um, you know, regarding my brain <laughs> and, uh, it's nice to be able to have just this equipment to to be able to try to accomplish other tasks and then know, have another understanding of how you can actually make that happen. Yeah. Cause I, I find that sometimes I get myself lost in, uh, these like looking at a single day as the, like I get so focused on that one single day that I kind of forget that there are just so many other, um, days out there and mm-hmm. these techniques that I can use to help, uh, build those neural pathways or, um, find my solutions a little bit, uh, quicker. And then that those bad days don't necessarily have to end the way that they do all the time. I think, um, I think perhaps I went a little bit on a tangent that was a a little bit confusing there. These are things that I've just been thinking about just this morning. So I'm still trying to sort through them, but, um, it's just fascinating to know, that we can learn still and that yeah. we can unlearn yeah. bad habits. Yeah. I think that's ultimately where I was trying to go with that yeah. very long sentence. And I think as well, something that you identify there is, you know, if you do have a bad day or whatever, that's okay. You know, life isn't going to be rose drops and unicorns and cherry trees and glitter and rainbows every single day life is going to throw stuff at us and we have to just acknowledge that okay that's fine it's just how we're going to then be able to deal with our resilience and actually I think a massive thing if you do have a bad day it's just be kind to yourself it's Mm. okay just be kind yeah tomorrow can be better well it doesn't even have to be tomorrow it could even just be later later today exactly thank you so much for making your way out here You're very welcome. It's lovely to see you again. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. (laughs) And everybody that's listening, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope that you found some of these things that we discussed to be helpful for you. And um, actually, how about you just plug your business? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, So it's Verity Vale Hypnotherapy. Um, I work out of Lower Sackville and Dartmouth. And I can be found on Facebook, Verity Vale Hypnotherapy. Uh, Instagram is Hypno Verity. Uh, and my website, again, would just be Verity Vale Hypnotherapy. All the 
uh, contact details are on there. Uh, it might answer a few questions if you've got any leftover, but just if you do have any questions, just, you know, get in touch. Uh, I offer a free initial consultation if people want to come along and uh, yeah, I'd be very happy to, to talk to anybody. Awesome. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you. And uh, just everybody that's out there, just know that wherever you are, Verity and I are sitting here loving you. And so we hope that you have a really great morning, afternoon, evening, night, and we will be talking to you again soon.